you really wanted to, yes, but somehow I'd rather you practice bass. That's also meditation as far as I can see. If you don't think of anything when you're playing, if you just play. So when's Ron due over? Not for an hour yet. I wish it was sooner because I'd like to get down to practising the set we're finally going to play when we play at Wayflood Village Hall. Yeah, I sighed with a huge grin. That'll be the beginning of the best time of my life. Better than Annalie? In some ways, yes. Annalie always was temporary, you see. And so, although it was wonderful, it was also temporary, Steve interrupted. Yes, and this is permanent, till death do us part, as it were. You think we'll actually get somewhere? With you and Ron? No doubt about it. We'll make cream look like skinned milk by the time we're through. Seriously, you two are unbeatable. Well, Ron's a world-class musician, I know that, but I still have a way to go. Maybe, Steve, but you're getting there quite fast as far as I can hear. I know that Ron's some kind of Bach of blues. Mozart of Mojo and Beethoven of Boogie combined, but you've changed so much over the last three years. You're really fast and smooth now, and you can bend those strings even on a long-scale bass. All right, I have got a lot better, Vic, but maybe that's just because of Ron. I get a lot of help from him, though. It's like having a masterclass all the time when he's around. Steve picked up his Telecaster-shaped Fender precision bass and threw his fingers up and down the neck in a series of highly extended twiddles that left me wide-eyed. I worked out this series of riffs last night. It's to go with rolling and tumbling and I want to see what Ron thinks of it. It sounds and looks brilliant. Plug in and let me hear it properly. Steve plugged in as requested and began to boom with subtle dexterity. Steve got to the end of the riffs and I requested he just kept repeating it for a while. After a dozen or so repetitions, Steve decided he'd better save his fingers for later. I think that Ron will really like that. I mean, I really like it a lot. It's like nothing I've heard before. And I can see how it's going to turn rolling and tumbling into something quite different. It's got some jazz accent to it that will really do something interesting. It'll make the vocal line more of a challenge because I'll be tempted to sing what you're playing rather than the line I'm supposed to be singing. That'll be good for you though, said Steve. 
because if you ever want to play backup bass, you'll need to be able to sing over the bass line. Good point, but maybe I'd better get myself a bass first. I know that your parents will be giving me that Gibson EBO on my 18th birthday, but that's rather a long way away. Do you think they'd mind you loaning me that Dan Electro? I don't see why not. And there's a spare amplifier you could use. It's not great, not very loud that is, but you wouldn't want to be too loud at first. Right, don't mention this to Ron yet because I want to bring the subject up with him at some point when I think he might go for it. Wise move, Vic. Wise move. There was suddenly the sound of the doorbell, and Ron had arrived. He stood at the door, waiting with his Telecaster case resting on his left foot and his hands resting on the top. Ron always looked and acted the epitome of coolness. Ready to make history? he chuckled. Ready as ever, Steve replied, and Ron strode in opened his case and plugged into the amplifier that Steve's father used. It was a Fender amplifier and Ron liked it almost as much as his Marshall. It was a 1963 Fender Vibro Verb. You know, I can never quite decide which is better, my Marshall or your dad's Fender. Maybe one day I'll have to have both and use them for different numbers. Good idea, Ron. It does have a sound of its own. You know, Steve, these things are starting to get a little hard to find now. Fender revamped their amps in 1963 and this is from that year. A blackface, a super reverb with two 10-inch speakers. Shame they were discontinued in 1964. Your dad must have got one of the last ones. If he ever wants to part with it, I'd snap it up in a minute. Can't see that happening, but you never know. If he ever shows any signs of giving up playing with the Dixons, I'll mention it to him. He might not want to do it forever, I suppose, although he'd always want to play at home. Yeah, he might want a smaller amplifier then, eh? Ron grinned as devilishly as was his custom. So, anyway, he let fly a stream of notes that came from nowhere, but were as perfect as anyone could wish. You said you had a new bass line for this, and he launched into rolling and tumbling. Fortunately, I'd already plugged my microphone into the PA system that belonged to the Dixons, and we were away. Uh, Ron? Steve? Do you mind if we take that at half the speed? Half? Steve croaked with incredulity. Half, I stated flatly. I know everyone gallops it, but we don't have to do that, do we? Vic has a point, Steve, Ron advised. 
You know, it could be much better adagio. Not quite molto grande. That would give us far more room for improvisations and high-speed riffs. Lord, I was rolling and tumbling, God, the whole night long. Said I was rolling and tumbling, God, the whole night long. But when I woke up in the morning, all I had was gone. Well, you know, my little baby, she gonna jump and shout. Yeah, you know, my little baby, she gonna jump and shout. When that train came rolling in, I come walking out. Well, you see my little baby, she got her red dress on. Say, you see my little baby, she got her red dress on. And when that sun goes singing down, won't be on. Steve nodded his assent and we took it from the top. Ron chose the tempo and he hit it perfectly. I was able to put more passion into the vocal line and also to throw in some vocal acrobatics to boot. We sat chatting after our practice when Ron suddenly narrowed his eyes. Do you smell that, either of you? Smell what? asked Steve. I knew what Ron could smell, but said nothing. Smells like, like vomit. Ron could smell my right boot. My brother Graham had been to a party and come home by the prescribed time, but had gone straight to bed. I'd come home several hours later and he'd been asleep when I got in. I did notice some sort of smell in the room, but I'd been dog-tired and fallen asleep as soon as my head hit the pillow. Then, on waking, I discovered the ugly truth. Graham had vomited in my boot. I emptied it out and filled it with cold water several times before trying hot, soapy water. I left the boot to dry in the garden but to no avail. It stank of vomit still. My mother tried to help out and did everything imaginable, including tipping eau de cologne into it. Nothing worked. There was always the slight smell of vomit that arose from the boots whenever they warmed up beyond a certain point. I admitted the situation to Steve and Ron, who fell about laughing till tears ran down their faces. Well, I said with a wan smile, I'm glad I've given you two such a good time. Vic, Ron cackled, I know you miss Annalie, but aren't there better ways to avoid getting another girlfriend than wearing a boot that smells of vomit? 
they both fell about laughing again, and this time I joined them. Right, the boots are going to the Oxfang shop. Maybe their next owner will think they're tanned in some special way that makes them smell like that. Jack was away on holiday with his parents and somehow I enjoyed the lack of drums. Ron always said they were absolutely necessary, but Steve and I could have lived without them. It was easier to have practice sessions without drums because we could go to Steve's house and use Dixon equipment. The three of us had to carry the show, at least as far as Jack's percussion went for the time being. Ron had given him a fairly serious talk about improving and he'd promised to practice more and listen to Ginger Baker as much as he could. Jack had improved, there was no doubt, but Ron felt he still had a long way to go. I liked Jack and felt that I wanted to give him as much of a chance as possible. I felt I'd been given a chance and that I was lucky that neither Steve nor Ron could sing. I felt that I could be replaced at any time, as could Jack. But somehow I'd found myself in some sort of special category with Ron. Steve and I had been friends from way back, but Ron was new on the scene. New and radically talented. I was lucky that Ron liked my voice and the way I tortured the vocal line. I was lucky in a lot of different ways, and that fact never escaped me.